Simon Deakin, Professor of Law at Cambridge University. Professor Simon Deakin, Director of the Corporate Governance Research Programme, the Centre for Business Research, Cambridge University. Thanks for talking to our podcast series today. We're going to talk about shares for rights. Under the government's new employment scheme, employees will give up rights concerning unfair dismissal, redundancy pay, flexible working, maternity rights and time off for training in return for receiving shares in their employer, which will be exempt from capital gains tax. Well, it's quite a package, isn't it? How would I, as a worker, Professor Deacon, know if it's a good or a bad deal? Well, it's perfectly reasonable for firms to want to issue shares in, in the company to workers in order to, to motivate them and to give them a, a, a sense of ownership. What doesn't make sense here is that the very same workers who have these shares would want to lose very important job security rights, in particular because the loss of those job security rights may mean that the shares themselves have less value and that the package, therefore, is is far less attractive to workers than it would otherwise be. So I think it's a really good idea for the government to be encouraging worker ownership in companies, especially startups. It's completely unnecessary and counterproductive to link this to the loss of employment security rights. So if we take the example of a fast-growing company, presumably they may want to cut red tape and encourage growth in the economy. So what's wrong with, in a time of recession and and global financial problems, offering young people in fast-growing companies the opportunity to to opt in and, and give up their employment rights for shares? Surely it's just going to encourage enterprise. Well, let's think about what employment law does. It it basically says that an employee cannot be unfairly dismissed. And this means that after two years of service, an employee has the right to, at the very least, a hearing for a right to due process before the employment is terminated. And the employer must come up with a good reason for the dismissal, such as misconduct or loss of capability or lack of capability. Now, that's all we're saying. The law doesn't provide a job for life, and it doesn't provide an absolute guarantee of job security. Again, a worker can be made redundant if the job isn't needed anymore. Now, what we're saying is that these rights will be lost in future if an employee becomes a co-owner in in the firm. This just doesn't make sense because these laws are, are a very important mechanism for doing two things. First of all, they encourage workers to make a more serious commitment to the firm and they invest their own time and effort and their loyalty in the firm if they have some guarantee that they will be treated fairly in matters of discipline and dismissal. But secondly, it's also very important for encouraging firms to invest in the training of their workers. So those firms can carry the costs which are associated with legal protection of dismissal. Now, if we deregulate this area of employment law, there are less incentives for both firms and workers to invest in these critical firm-specific skills. Do you think it is an age-related thing? I might, as a worker or an employee, be more reckless when I'm young and say, it doesn't matter, I want the shares, I am definitely going to be successful. I mean, the Biz Department consultation on the shares for rights got a lukewarm response. Concerns included fears that individuals might be coerced into adopting employee owner status, the cost and complexity of the scheme, and the risk of abuse of the tax advantages. I mean, presumably you share these concerns, but but if I'm young and enterprising, I might want to do it. 
Well, I think there's no evidence at all that people don't value job security. People value job security. At all ages? Yeah, I think so. They, they want to be treated well in employment, and that's true whether you're 20 or 65. People value job security because it provides them with a basis for some, some reassurance that they will, they will be well treated within work. And, of course, what job security laws also do is they encourage employers to make their own employees more employable so that the job provides a basis for a career and for mobility on the part of the worker. Again, what workers often want to do is to move between firms, but they don't want to be dismissed at a moment's notice, which will be possible if these laws come in. Now, what workers therefore need is at least some protection against uncertainty and insecurity in order to become themselves more employable and, and to enhance their skills on the labour market. There's no evidence at all that workers themselves want to be in a position where they can be dismissed simply on a moment's notice. So even if you're young, you could be abused by opting for shares for rights? Yeah, there's, there's no evidence at all that there's an age factor here, that young workers don't value job security to the same degree as older workers. Well, let's move on now to that business department consultation. So if fewer than five of the 209 organisations that responded supported the Chancellor George Osborne's plans, why are they still ploughing ahead with it? I mean, is it dogma? Well, I think what this proposal does is it, it neatly joins together two ideas which the government has. One is that workers should have property rights in the firm, which is fine. And the other one is that dismissal laws are holding back the economic recovery, which is not fine. There's just no evidence for that. And on the contrary, there's plenty of evidence to show that around the world, employment protection laws are correlated with more innovation and higher productivity on the part of firms. So on that second point, there's simply no evidence whatsoever to support the government's position. Now, therefore, one might conclude that this is an ideological position. That would seem to be the case. It's certainly not evidence-based policy. OK, well, you are indeed here at the Corporate Governance Research Programme, the Centre for Business Research, Cambridge University, evidence-based. So if we take the organisations that have expressed concerns about shares for rights, they include employer organisations such as the Engineering Employers Federation, the Federation of Small Businesses, the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. There are fears that it could lead to sort of different layers of employee rights in an organisation, like three different levels of rights. Will that happen? Well, that's completely correct, because currently employment law grants rights to people with the status of employee. And in some circumstances, somebody who is a worker, self-employed, but similar to an employee in certain respects, will have some employment rights, such as the right to the minimum wage. What the government's proposing is a creation of a third employment status, so-called employee owners, which will undoubtedly fragment labour law, make it more complicated, and frankly, cause more red tape. So it's going to become complex? It'll be very complex because there'll be complex issues about the valuation of shares and what happens when an employee is dismissed and therefore potentially loses value in the shares they've been given. I should also say that there are certain laws which are not exempt under this proposal from the protection that the law normally provides. In other words, laws relating in particular to discrimination will not be affected by this law. So although workers can be exempted in future from certain employment protection rights if they become so-called employee owners, they won't be exempted from laws relating to discrimination at work. So litigation won't stop. There'll simply be a transfer of litigation from employment protection to discrimination law. As a professor of law, and employment law, do you see this as the thin edge of the wedge stuff, really, that, that if you start rolling back employment law, it's an attack on workers' rights in the future, 
in the name of encouraging entrepreneurship and growth. Surely that's what's happening. It's an attack on workers' rights. Yes. Well, I think what's wrong about this is the linking of entrepreneurship with the absence of workers' rights. I think this is unsatisfactory because there's no evidence that entrepreneurship can only flourish in an environment where workers have no rights. The opposite is the case. There's plenty of empirical evidence from high-tech US states like California and Massachusetts that, in fact, strengthening employment law, not weakening it, is associated with high productivity, higher innovation, as measured by patenting rates. It's even associated in California with more small firm startups and with more employment in those small firm startups. And the reason is quite simple. Laws governing termination of employment give workers more confidence that their innovative activities will be recognised as such by the employer and that they won't be exploited or expropriated by the employer taking all the benefits from those employee inventions and innovations. Now, this is very clear from a lot of studies. The government clearly hasn't done its homework properly on this and hasn't taken into account the international evidence, which is very clear on this point. So what we're seeing is ideology triumphing over evidence here. Should we be concerned in public policy terms? It's what they call bad policy, thin end of the wedge stuff, an attack on workers' rights that could become more widespread in the future in the name of encouraging growth. It is concerning. It's worrying that we're going to go down a completely wrong path on this and that the debate is driven by ideology and by entrenched positions which don't take any account of the social science evidence, yes. Professor Simon Deacon, Director of the Corporate Governance Research Programme, the Centre for Business Research, Cambridge University, thanks for talking to our podcast series today. Thank you, Bonnie. This is a podcast from the Corporate Governance Research Programme, the Centre for Business Research, Cambridge University. Go to www.cbr.cam dot ac dot uk to find out more.